The B-Rad Podcast is brought to you by MoFo, male optimization formula with organs to boost testosterone. Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece, mind-blowing nut butter blend, Chili Pad, temperature-controlled mattress systems, Inside Tracker, blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data all in one, and New Optimal, three nootropic supplements designed to improve focus, memory, and drive. And check out the bradkearns.com shop page, my personal selection of favorite products with great discounts for health, fitness, and peak performance. I get more visitors to the sauna rather than my cold plunge. Can you believe that? Can you imagine that? Anyway, uh, after a while, the water will start to get a little cloudy, and it's time to change it. So it's a little bit of a hassle, but you drain the tub and then refill it with fresh water, and you're good to go. Locomotion, repair, reproduction, and growth are a zero-sum game. Borrow from one and you take away from the others. Uh, When we talk about running sprints, which I believe is a centerpiece of one's fitness experience, anti-aging strategy, and core human competency. It's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. Hey, this is going to be one of my favorite commercials because I get to introduce you to... The delicious, nutritious, life-changing Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece. This is a mind-blowing nut butter blend that will soon ascend to your number one go-to snack, treat, or accoutrement for anything from dark chocolate, a cucumber celery smear, or mixed in with yogurt, oatmeal, cheesecake, or with a spoon right into your mouth, heading south. Let me, let me, let me tell you what I created in my kitchen through whirlwind experimentation and extreme sampling to my VIP product testing crew across the nation so far with 100% approval. In this beautiful jar, we have macadamia nuts, walnuts, cashews, the rare and precious coconut butter, coconut flakes, cacao nibs, real ancient sea salt, and organic MCT oil. Every single ingredient has been sourced to origin to be the very best we could find from around the world for the absolute highest purity and nutritional value. We run this product in small batches with a boutique family business in the Pacific Northwest, and everything is cold-pressed to preserve nutritional value. So if you like eating healthy, it's a dream come true for all those who are keto, primal, paleo, and vegan vegetarian, too. I come in peace, my global healthy living friends. Masterpiece, that is. Try some now, and it will change your life. I promise. If you don't like it, send it back to me. I'll eat it. You can order Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece on Amazon. Simple, simple. Or if you're bold, daring, and adventurous, buy three and get a bottle free at bradventures.com. Buy six and we'll send you eight. Christmas shopping early instead of late at bradventures.com. Check it out. Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece. Uh. It ain't my fault that I'm out here getting loose. Hey, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, ha, yeah, yeah, he. Hi, listeners. The questions keep coming. Yeah, yeah, he. Thank you so much for writing in with very thoughtful questions for a wonderful, fast-moving Q&A show. Let's get going. And the first one comes from Paul, and it's about sprinting, one of my favorite subjects. Thanks for writing in, Paul. Yes, it was a while ago. Maybe you forgot you submitted the question. Maybe you figured out the answer already, but we're just trying to get through the queue. Okay, people. Brad, can you be more specific on your sprint workout? You mentioned that you do four times 200 meters and eight times 70 meters. Is it one or the other? Can you touch on the amount of time that you rest between each individual sprint? So uh, when we talk about running sprints, which I believe is a centerpiece of one's fitness experience, anti-aging strategy, and core human competency, I think we should all strive to get to that point where we're capable of running sprints on flat ground. Now, many people have injury concerns, fitness concerns. You can't just bust out of the gate if you haven't done this since middle school or what have you. I heard there was no more PE in high school in the state of uh, California. Have you heard that? That's pretty crazy. You don't have to take any PE. (sighs) 
So let's say it's middle school and you haven't sprinted in a while. You can progressively improve your competency by doing low or no impact sprints. So start sprinting on the bicycle. I have this wonderful Carol bike and the eight minute workout that will help you return your competency and then uh, eventually progress toward, let's say, running sprints up the stadium stairs or running up a steep hill. So you minimize that impact trauma, but you want to work toward the ability to run sprints on flat ground. That has the best hormonal genetic signaling benefits for fat loss, also for bone density and all those great things. Uh, of course, you have to do this carefully and progressively. Um, your first workout would be, first several workouts might be wind sprints, which are brief accelerations that bring you up to high speed and then you immediately decelerate. So it's just kind of like revving the engine a little bit before you try to hold form and complete a sprint of a certain duration. Uh, the sweet spot being between 10 and 20 seconds, as I've discussed on many shows. So we can work up to that goal eventually. But I think a great baseline sprint workout for most everyone, unless you have specific goals relating to track and field sprinting, uh, like I do, that's why I'm doing things like 200s or 400s. Uh, but if you can go about 70 or 80 meters, for most people, that effort is going to land in the sweet spot of between 10 and 20 seconds. And the number of reps would probably range somewhere between four and 10 based on your fitness level. So doing four sprints of 80 meters, I think that's within reason of most every fitness enthusiast, or at least progressing to that point where you can start out, dabble in four. And if you can do 10 really competently and you think, gee, I think I can continue going. I can do 11, 12, or 13. Guess what? I want you to focus on going faster during the sprints that you perform rather than thinking that more is better. So four and 10 is going to be the repetitions and the duration is going to be 10 to 20 seconds. And then the excellent question from Paul, uh, what kind of uh, rest break? What is the specifics of how long you rest between each effort? And what you want to do is take what Dr. Craig Marker calls luxurious rest intervals. So we're not trying to make a certain time like athletes are familiar with in the swimming pool when you're leaving on the 110 or leaving on the 130 or any such thing where you're struggling to return to the starting line, feeling sharp, energized, motivated, and ready to deliver a effort of consistent quality to the previous one. So what that means practically is your rest period is going to be somewhere around six to one to the work interval. So if you're sprinting for 10 seconds, you're going to rest for at least a minute. If you're sprinting for 20 seconds, you can go ahead and take a two minute rest period. And after a while, you're going to feel really refreshed, feeling like you're ready to go, uh, continue to rest a little bit more and just shake things out and get refocused in the central nervous system, as well as the muscles to go perform an additional explosive effort with impeccable form and feeling strong and energized throughout. So that's how you know you've rested enough, is that you've just delivered another successful and high quality effort. And somewhere along the line, between that uh, range of four and 10, maybe it's your eighth one, maybe it's your seventh one, you're gonna feel possibly a slight decline in power output or a slight imperfection in your technique. And these are signs that your body is fatiguing and you do not wanna sprint in a fatigued state. So you end the workout as soon as you experience any decline in performance. Uh, so that's the very, very simple foundation of doing four to 10 times 80 meters or whatever takes you 10 to 20 seconds. And that's all you ever need to do to live a long, healthy, happy life. If you have goals in track and field, then you're going to approximate the challenge of what you're facing in competition by doing intervals and, and efforts that are of appropriate uh, distance and duration. And so that's when you get into the more glycolytic, that means high glucose burning efforts. When you're doing a 200, when you're doing a 400 and you're extending your, uh, your effort out beyond that 10 to 20 second sweet spot, it's no longer a pure sprint. Uh, it's an anaerobic conditioning session. These do have fitness benefits, but they probably don't need to be done unless you have these specific goals because there is a elevated risk factor of fatigue, muscle soreness, injury, burnout from doing sprints that last longer than uh, the magic uh, range of 10 to 20 seconds. So I hope 
that we can get the takeaway for everybody is to go for around 80 meters, four to 10 reps, six to one rest interval, and you are in the sprinting business. Wonderful. Next question. Is this from Michael? Maybe from Michael or might be continuing from Paul. Uh, Dr. Ponser's constrained theory of energy expenditure. And go back and listen to my two shows with Dr. Herman Ponser. Fascinating and compelling insights where he argues that we burn around the same number of calories every day, whether we exercise or not. Whew, okay, blowing the lid off the fitness industry and the diet weight loss industry. So if Ponser's constrained theory says that sprinting would not even lead to any weight loss. However, the primal blueprint says that sprinting is a good way to get lean. Actually, Mark Sisson's direct quote is, nothing cuts you up like sprinting. So how to reconcile this? Yeah, good question. I think about this often. I'm not exactly sure how to reconcile it. I think that the constrained model of energy expenditure is definitely scientifically valid, but I believe there's an extra portal, or actually you would probably define it as a fractal. Gonna go look that up, make sure I'm using it correctly. I'm talking about a partly random or chaotic phenomena. (laughs) So there is some uh, wiggle room here, I believe, where if you get competent in sprinting, uh, you will have some genetic signaling to shed excess body fat because the penalty for carrying extra body fat while running at full speed or delivering maximum explosive output under the impact load of gravity uh, does cause you to drop excess body fat as one of the adaptive processes. So I don't think it's an open and shut case, uh, but if you're still in that dated mindset that uh, you go to the gym and the machine you're on says you burn 640 calories, and then you go back to your online calculator and think if you do that every day, you're going to lose two pounds of body fat in a month. That's been strongly refuted uh, by the emerging science of the constrained model of energy expenditure, uh, also known as the compensation theory, which contends that if you do uh, a lot of physical exercise calorie burning, your body finds assorted ways to compensate uh, burning fewer calories at rest or feeling lazier or eating more food. Uh, My uh, plug for sprinting uh, also includes the idea that I believe it sort of uh, dulls the appetite because you elevate your body temperature and you're in a uh, sort of a fatigue state in the hours after the workout where you're not ravenous, your digestive system is not ready to indulge in uh, a bunch of uh, large meals. And so when you remain active, when you work that top end, um, you have all these, uh, this cascade of repair processes that happen in the ensuing 72 hours. People call it uh, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. That means increased calorie burning as a consequence of doing these hard workouts. And I think we just have to uh, adopt a reasonable approach here where it's not an open and shut case where burning more calories causes you to uh, lose excess body fat, nor is it this complete constraint where no matter what you do, no matter what exercise you do, um, it doesn't have any effect on your calorie burning. It's somewhere in the middle, uh, but definitely is heavily, heavily, heavily weighted on your appetite and your eating habits. And I really appreciated the insight from Dr. Robert Lustig, where he said, hey, look, you paleo primal people and you vegans and vegetarians, you guys are fighting a false battle. The true war is against processed food. And if you can eliminate processed food, all manner of distinct and niche dietary strategies can help you reach your goal, can help you drop excess body fat. Uh, There was another contention. It was from uh, someone else. I can't remember who said it, but it's virtually impossible to get fat when you're eating natural, nutritious, wholesome foods. And when you have processed foods in your diet, it's very difficult to maintain a healthy body composition throughout your lifetime because you are dysregulating your appetite and satiety hormones every single day by throwing these uh, toxic foods into your body that uh, cause excess insulin production, downregulate leptin signaling, leptin signaling, which is your prominent, say, 
satiety and fat storage hormone. It's, it tells your body what to do with the calories that you eat. So this, in practical terms, you can probably imagine this to be true uh, if you ask yourself, gee, have you ever overstuffed your face uh, eating too many omelets or eating too many steaks for dinner, as opposed to, oh, gee, I feel terrible because I ate the entire pint of ice cream. I couldn't stop myself. I had a second slice of cheesecake, even though I didn't need it. That happens all the time because uh, of how these processed foods flood the dopamine receptors in our brains and compel us to eat more and more and do it as a daily lifestyle habit if we have a high amount of these foods in the diet, as opposed to the wholesome foods where you feel a natural, wonderful sense of satiety uh, just from eating uh, sensible portions. I'm so excited to introduce you to Paluva. This is a new zero-drop minimalist shoe with the distinctive five-toe design from my main man, Mark Sisson. Paluvas give you the most authentic barefoot-style experience, but with sufficient cushioning so you can use them for all manner of daily movement, especially walking and many other fitness and athletic activities. Paluvas are also incredibly stylish, so you get a barefoot shoe that you're not embarrassed to wear around in daily life. It's been so cool to see the popularity of minimalist shoes grow over the recent years, but Paluvas are a step ahead of every other zero-drop wide-box shoe because of the critical feature of individual five-toe articulation, a separate slot for each of your toes. This allows for correct dynamic movement of the foot through the walking or running stride, which is impossible when your toes are encased into a single box, even a wide box. Well, you might know that minimalist shoes have faced controversy in recent years for causing injuries from inappropriate use. So here is the big picture mission. We want to get you walking in paluvas, living in your paluvas, going barefoot in your home or other safe areas as often as possible. Go ahead and use your specialized cushiony running shoes or your basketball shoes, work boots, high heels, things that you want to wear when you want to wear them, but wear your Paluvas as much as possible to reawaken the natural functionality of the human foot to stand, walk, run, and perform. Do you want to try a pair? I'm certain that when you put them on and walk around, you are going to quickly realize that these are the most comfortable, natural shoes that you've ever worn. They are designed to feel like you're, quote, walking barefoot on a putting green please visit paluva.com, that's P-E-L-U-V-A, and use the code BRADPODCAST and get 10% off your first pair. Paluvas, let your feet be feet. Here's some more thoughts on the matter that I actually took notes on. Uh, listen to my second show with Dr. Ponser, which uh, mainly involves me coming up with some challenge questions to this constrained theory. Uh, examples where the type model uh, might not fit perfectly. For example, the Tour de France cyclists, are you telling me that their energy burning is constrained? No, we know we put uh, measurements on them and they burn 6,000 calories a day. So Ponser uh, acknowledged that if you increase your training and you get leaner, this could be in part due to a temporary adjustment caused by the harder training. So you shed body fat at first, but over time you get used to the uh, different dietary pattern, different exercise pattern, and kind of regulate again. And this is a really interesting insight because as you get fitter and fitter and fitter, guess what? A 10-mile run ain't no big deal anymore, and you don't burn that many calories as, let's say, a novice going out there and struggling to get through 10-mile run. It's an extreme energy expenditure ordeal. Uh, but the world's elite athletes and the training levels they put in, the Tour de France cyclists on a routine day when they're riding their bicycle for four or five hours, they're not burning a shit ton of calories. And then please don't forget uh, the wonderful insight shared by Chris Kelly, uh, I think honoring Dr. Ponser's work, where he said, uh, locomotion, repair, reproduction, and growth are a zero-sum 
game. Borrow from one and you take away from the others. So locomotion being exercise, training, fitness, all that stuff, if you're overly locomoting, you're going to turn the dial down on growth repair and reproductive fitness. The most prominent and obvious example of this are the elite female endurance athletes who commonly experience amenorrhea, the loss of their menstrual period, due to the extreme uh, training volume that they're putting in and and the low body fat that they reach uh, from their their high performing training schedule. So we do not want to borrow too much from those critical metabolic and health processes by over-exercising. So the body has assorted ways of adjusting if you overdo it. That's why we want to go point the uh, the, the weapon in the direction of dietary changes, particularly eliminating all manner of processed foods and enjoying and becoming highly satiated on these nutrient-dense, wonderful ancestral foods. Let's talk about nootropics. These are supplements designed to improve cognitive function, memory, and creativity. And I'm taking three products from a company called New optimal, NU optimal. The products are MetaFocus, which promotes flow state and improves processing speed and mental clarity. It contains ingredients like phenylalanine, B12, ginkgo biloba. I'm taking MetaMemory, which is good for memory retention, verbal fluency, reduced oxidative stress, very important for the brain. This product has things like lion's mane, pine bark, and bacopa. And I'm taking MetaDrive for motivation, stress resilience. It's got a little boost of caffeine in there, ashwagandha, rhodiola. They're wonderful products with a lot of scientific detail and easy to understand information on their website. So you get the big picture of what these products are all about, not just stuffing pills down your face, but how to do the stack as they call it strategically. You get a 16 page booklet that'll guide you to optimal use when you purchase. And guess what? 60 day money back guarantee and 30% discount from me. Listen, I'm not a coffee guy. I'm not a drug guy, but I'm always looking for any type of natural edge I can get, especially for cognition. So guess what? Let's avoid that sugary junk food. Let's get enough sleep. Take a power nap when you need one and consider trying some nootropics to see if you get a natural brain boost. So go visit newoptimal.com, N-U-O-P-T-I-M-A-L and enter the code BRAD30 to get 30% discount when you try it. Newoptimal.com for way more details. Michael is wondering about the freeze drying process, diminishing the nutrient quality of the uh, MOFO product and the other uh, bottled organ meats. So uh, when we freeze dry, that means that they're uncooked and preserved to maximum nutrient value. Uh, When you cook food, guess what? It destroys some enzymes and nutrients, but it makes the food easier to digest. This includes neutralizing the natural plant toxins that carnivore advocate Dr. Paul Saldino talks about so much. Uh, When you eat foods in their raw form, especially uh, in the category of seeds and stems, these have the highest levels of natural plant toxins. So when you have that raw kale salad, or you go all the way to the macrobiotic vegan dietary movement where they're eating everything in raw form and not cooking anything, yes, they are getting uh, completely preserved uh, enzymes and nutrients to maximum value of whatever that plant contains, but they are also eating things that are very, very difficult to digest and contain a lot of poisons. That's why we have to soak, sprout, ferment, and cook many foods to render them edible rather than poisonous, going all the way down to the cashew nuts or the things that uh, the the olives have to uh, be treated with the uh, jug vats of lye, the poison, to, um, to render them edible. So what we have here is a balance and the human has evolved to the top of the food chain uh, because we became competent at cooking food, thereby gaining more access to nutrient-dense foods because we were able to digest them in their cooked form. So freeze drying is giving you a really potent form of the animal organ meats. And then you can go cook yourself a steak for dinner and uh, congratulate yourself for being healthy in as many ways as possible. So, Hey, Brad, uh, before I jump into my chest freezer cold water therapy, I'd like to know, 
How do you keep the water in your chest freezer clean? Do you change the water after a certain number of uses? Thanks, says Dave. Ah, yes, the, um, the, the trials and tribulations of being an extreme cold exposure enthusiast. So unless you live in a climate where you have access to cold water for many months of the year, uh, there are some great ways to become a participant uh, using the first the cold showers and then as you enjoy the many hormonal and cognitive and focusing and resiliency benefits from daily exposure to cold, you decide to escalate your commitment and go get one of those top opening chest freezers where they store meat and so forth. Uh, I have a 15 cubic foot chest freezer delivered to your door for free by HomeDepot.com. So yeah, you can go grab one of these freezers for several hundred dollars and then uh, plug it in, fill it with water and then run it on a timer so that you can keep the water at the desired temperature. And I keep mine just above freezing. So I have to watch it because sometimes it'll start to get solid at the bottom. It'll freeze over. But I want that water as cold as possible to get this maximum hormetic stressor shock value when I get in there. That means I don't have to spend as much time in there because it's so cold. And you get this uh, wonderful benefit for anti-inflammatory, hormonal, mood elevating, and a great morning wake-up call. And so this ready-made uh, biohack or temperature therapy has become incredibly popular. And uh, you'll see a lot of YouTube videos. You can go check mine out. It's Brad Kern's Chest Freezer Cold Therapy. And I describe uh, how to get going on the process. Um, but I have a little aquarium pump in there to filter out some of the uh, impurities, uh, get the body clean before stepping in is a big rule for myself and any visitors. <sighs> I get more visitors to the sauna rather than my cold plunge. Can you believe that? Can you imagine that? Anyway, uh, after a while, the water will start to get a little cloudy and it's time to change it. So it's a little bit of a hassle, but you drain the tub and then refill it with fresh water and you're good to go. So watch the video, write back if you have any further questions, people. I'm working on a complete online course and ebook about the wonderful world of temperature therapy and how to get started. So more info to come on that topic. Here comes David. He says, hey, Brad, I just started taking MoFo. I haven't noticed any significant benefits yet, but I've been reading through your website and listening to podcasts with great interest. Uh, I probably... Um, I'm blaming my low testosterone on chronic stress over the past 15 years. Now I'm 42. <sighs> All right, man, 27 to 42. Those are chronically stressful years, I guess. And now you can look to new horizons to kind of lower that stress level, shore up your nutritional deficiencies, and best of luck to you. But he says, yeah, it was probably the chronic stress due to a demanding job with lots of overtime. Exercising incorrectly, he admits to overtraining. And I'm noting from your blog, Brad, that excessive cortisol, that fight or flight, prominent fight or flight hormone, was an issue for you. And I'd be grateful for your advice on how you rectified this, please. Did you take any additional supplements or anything else, any changes to your exercise routine? And oh my gosh, for sure, when I was competing as a professional triathlete for that nine-year period of my life, uh, I was in chronic overproduction of stress hormones due to the extremely arduous training regimen that we followed with hours and hours of training every day. Even if a lot of it was at a comfortable pace, when you're working the body that hard, uh, the locomotion is at a high level. So you're borrowing from uh, growth, repair, reproductive fitness. And it's known that cortisol and testosterone are direct antagonists, uh, same with cortisol and libido. And so if you are high stress, you are going to tone down all that uh, male vitality and virility that you desire to live a rich and meaningful and high energy life. And so the first thing to do is we got to look at these stress factors and get them under control. That's far more effective than any secret uh, supplement or regimen. There's so much talk about uh, testosterone replacement therapy, hormone therapy. And the more I research about it, and I'm researching for a book project, so I'm getting deep into the weeds here. It's a very interesting takeaway insight that this hormone replacement therapy in a male, if you are unfit and unhealthy and have that spare tire, that visceral fat that indicates an inflammatory state in the body, if you inject yourself with outside hormones, that's called exogenous testosterone, guess what's going to happen? Your body is going to undergo this process called aromatization and convert that testosterone into estrogen, a muy, muy mal noticias. 
And so not only is it not going to work, it's going to be a bad deal and it's going to give you more estrogen. Now, uh, that means that those who are interested in improving their testosterone status through injections, through anti-aging regimens, which are so popular, first want to get their butts in shape and get super healthy and moderate their stress levels so that they can possibly benefit from testosterone therapy. Now, if you go in there as a candidate, uh, no more spare tire, you're feeling good, your body composition is uh, optimal or, or very good, you're exercising well, you're sleeping well, you're eating well, guess what? You're probably not going to need it. And so the whole thing appears to me from a distance to be a bit of a, a hype or a shortcut uh, as opposed to something that uh, millions of men should consider when they reach a certain age. Now, if you kind of go to the extreme where we have uh, the elite athletes who are abusing and taking uh, far more exogenous hormones than would be uh, part of a protocol for anti-aging under the care of a physician, of course, they're going to get those important incremental benefits that make all the difference. And that's why you see probably most, if not all, the NFL uh, are taking um, some sort of hormones. Maybe I shouldn't say most, if not all, but what if 70% of them were taking hormones and the other 30% were the genetic freaks that we see on the field that are totally natural, probably don't have to work out with weight much, and they're just super explosive and strong and amazing humans. So uh, the the hormone replacement, the anabolic steroid use is what's allowing a genetically moderate person to rise up to the elite level of performance. So yeah, the stuff absolutely definitely works. And that's why world records are set and professional athletes are getting big contracts and the sports that entail power and explosiveness. But for most of us, it's probably um, a, a non-deal. It's not something to even think about if you have a little bit of belly fat. You'd rather get that off your body by modifying your diet, modifying your stress levels. So David asks, what did you do? And I'm going to reference two distinct periods of my life where I was uh, in that high cortisol, unhealthy state. One was as an athlete, training so much, and also traveling on the airplane so much also leads to chronic overproduction of stress hormones. And the second one was uh, a parent of young children, not sleeping optimally, a long commute to my job, working like a real person rather than being an athlete who gets to uh, optimize every little bit of life, including sleeping way more than, um, than the average person does. And I, I sort of got into that same state of burnout that I did as an athlete years after my career was over. And so the, the, there's, no, um, there's no secret here, but if you can learn to sleep and rest and recover and rejuvenate more, I think that's going to be the first and foremost gateway to reclaiming your health. Yes, there are some important nutritional aspects here, and that would start with removing processed foods. Uh, I'm very happy with the MoFo supplement and all the great results people are getting and sharing on the Amazon reviews, because that can help replenish depleted cells and give you that little boost that you need to go out there and adhere to a desired fitness program or whatever else that you're doing that you don't that you should do that you don't feel like because you're too tired. So any boost that we can get to get back on track uh, is a wonderful option to consider. And that includes supplements. But first, you have to learn to uh, take some downtime in daily life. That's the forgotten aspect of uh, the mobile devices and the hyperconnectivity that we face today um, that didn't exist until recent times. Uh, our, our, our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, everybody had a lot of downtime, even if they had a hard life in the factory. And you can look on the, the, the living room wall, the family photos, and uh, Grandpa Jed was uh, pictured in overalls with a grimy face, and boy, what a rough life. But they had more downtime than we do today. So our brains are constantly stimulated, and we're constantly provoking uh, the dopamine response, the fight-or-flight response. So we just got to chill out, uh, take take a breather in life, and especially don't complicate matters by overtraining and overexercising when you already have a difficult life, as David describes with his demanding job, lots of overtime, and overtraining uh, is a really, really bad deal. Okay, um, here comes a lovely long letter about breathing from Steve, 58 years young, keto, primal, strong, and free. Uh, thank you for the recent uh, segment on breathing, the breather show, <laughs> the breather show on breathing. 
literally. Uh, I found it to be positive reinforcement. I'd love to recommend James Nestor's book, Breath. Fantastic book. I've listened to that also. It was utterly transformative for Steve. And he says, I've always been a nose breather mostly, but the book has allowed me to take it to the next level. I use the mouth tape every night. I can relate major benefits in my sleep and my uh, score has improved with HRV. Um, It relates to so many areas of life, such as anxiety levels, cardiovascular health, and dental health. I recently went to the dentist and she remarked how beautiful my teeth were. She always says this. Wow. All right, Steve. Uh, And this time she noted that my gums also look great. We got into a discussion about mouth taping. Uh, For those of you unfamiliar with that term, that's the practice of actually gently taping your mouth closed at night to ensure that you breathe through your nose for the duration of the evening, even if you kind of uh, turn over or have a tendency to snore uh, and the nose gets plugged up and you go right over to mouth breathing without knowing it. And so breathing through your nose uh, throughout the evening, many people report wonderful benefits, especially if they possibly uh, were falling into that trap of unwitting mouth breathing during the night. Hey man, how's your sexual function? Oh, uncomfortable talking about it? Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat, so it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about Gainswave. This is a cutting-edge protocol where a handheld device sends low-intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gainswave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gainswave reports an 80% success rate. Now, we know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary band-aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gainswave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainswave from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California, and there's a robust network of Gainswave providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment, and while it's great for ED, Gainswave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit Gainswave.com slash Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area, and you can take advantage of my special promotion, buy six treatments, and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. Uh, Steve goes on to recommend another book, Christine Koth's Tight Hip Twisted Core, another transformative book that helped me understand uh, my iliopsoas body symmetry problems, many years of poor athletic practices, orthopedic sloppiness. Guess what? My body became a lopsided jalopy. I was a functional cripple. And after a year or two of steadfast orthopedic remodeling, Uh, as directed by the book, Tight Hip, Twisted Core. I can say my gait is uh, greatly improved and my balance. So there's a couple good recommendations. Happy listener. Good job, Steve. Keep it up. And on we go to Ellen. Uh, I found your article and video about stretching to cure plantar fasciitis. Uh, So if you can go to YouTube, people, there's a video, Brad Kern's two stretches to heal plantar fasciitis. It's done, gone viral because it works. It's very effective. I love getting messages back from people that do the devoted stretching, holding the stretches for long durations and lengthen those important calf muscles, the gastroc and the soleus, thereby taking the the strain and the uh, the the impact trauma away from the inflamed arch. Uh, but again, uh, that's not everything. And I really uh, appreciate the message from my friend Bryson Newell about the importance of fascial conditioning. So we have to be stretched out. We can't be tight. But we also have to make sure that our fascial system is strong and resilient and active is good good communication with the central nervous system. And so I'm doing these fascial exercises. You can learn more at Bryson's website, Vidya Method 
V-I-D-Y-A. So we're talking about getting strong, engaged arches that help you uh, walk with good functionality. That means spending a lot of time barefoot or in minimalist shoes instead of walking around with elevated heels your whole life and uh, disengaging the important fascial network that ends at the um, that terminates in the feet. And so it's really, really important to have good fascial conditioning in your feet. It has ripple effects throughout the body. So uh, back to Ellen's question. Uh, I wanted to ask, did this help with the uh, the painful area directly under the heel? This is what hurts when I walk on the bottom of my heel. Yeah, plantar fasciitis, boy, the symptoms can be numerous. You can have a burning on the outside of your heel, around the outside edges of the heel, or right underneath. So at the front bottom of the heel, uh, I even developed bone spurs when mine got really bad. So yeah, we're talking about a big mess and caused by uh, over-exercising, doing more than you're prepared for, uh, an acute injury, or um, a lot of uh, lifetime wearing cushioned shoes and basically putting your feet in casts so that they become weak and uh, poor functional, uh, poor kinesthetic awareness to the extent that you're walking around with very delicate feet with minimal resilience and poor functionality to the extent that you're vulnerable to all kinds of injuries, not just in the arch where um, where uh, foot meets the, the, the surface, but uh, can be a contributing factor to injuries throughout the lower extremities, especially for runners uh, engaged in an overly stressful exercise program. Next, I'm doing pretty well working through these questions, aren't I? Faster than normal. Okay, Sheldon from Canada, master's athlete. Specialty was 800 meters. Uh, one of the most wonderful and exciting events in track and field. I was Canadian champion multiple times, but the training and the racing was brutal. Tell me about it, man. It's maybe the toughest track event. I think many track aficionados would agree. The eight, there's nothing like the 800 meters for pure torture. I've switched over to sprinting in the 45 to 49 division, and I love doing the power stuff. Um, I've been doing things for anti-aging like cold exposure, fasting, sprints, dynamic stretching. I've been doing it for a long time before it was popular. I'm a big fan of Arthur Jones. That's the original uh, inventor of the Nautilus workout system. And so interesting. I'm going to put a little aside here as I just uh, wrapped up a interview with Dr. Doug McGuff, a fantastic show. You're going to learn more about his book, Body by Science, where he contends that Arthur Jones' original Nautilus training system, you know, the first exercise machines ever, they emerged in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, were the very best because he had this uh, cam, the, the, the pulley system that the uh, that the machine worked on uh, provided for variable resistance that was in alignment with the force production uh, in your body throughout the range of motion. So just like Dr. John Jaquish talks about with the X3 bar and working with resistance tubing, uh, you get an appropriate amount of resistance uh, aligned with how much force you can produce uh, when the joints and the muscles are in uh, a certain position. So quick example, if you're lost, don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, when you're doing a bench press with a barbell, uh, the most difficult part of the move is lifting the bar off your chest. The first three inches of the move, right? That's when you're weakest because you're, um, your muscles are, are pinched at that 90 degree and you get stronger and stronger as you lift the weight further and further from your chest. Unfortunately, you are constrained by how much weight you can lift off your chest because you can't lift it off your chest to go and do reps in the high force production area where your arms are nearly straight. That's when you're at your strongest, right? But if you're working with the resistance band, uh, the resistance get hard, harder and harder as you get further and further away from your chest. So it's an appropriate variable resistance exercise. And that's what Arthur Jones knew a long time ago. And so when you go and uh, work with the original machines or the ones that honor basically his patent, so there's not too many machines that have this down, uh, but some of the modern machines are very effective for this, you'll notice that 
for example, doing the bicep curl, uh, the resistance, even if you choose the same number 20 on the plates or number 40, um, it's easier when you start out. It's the toughest in the middle when you have the most power. And then it eases up a little bit at the end when your uh, gets, fist gets close to your shoulder because you have less power there than you do in the middle of the bicep curl. Uh, unlike having a dumbbell at your side and, and performing curls, again, you're limited by the area where you have the least force production. Anyway, back to Sheldon's message. Big fan of Arthur Jones, one of them being train the muscle to absolute failure. I just listened to your testosterone shows, Brad, part one and two. You mentioned a few different types of workouts, one being pushing the muscle to the limit for mitochondrial development, anti-aging benefits, and then the other one, uh, doing workouts where you don't get sore. Uh, always trying to leave a little bit of the tank, and that helps you with recovery. So my question is, in your opinion, should I continue to do both types of workouts? One workout where I push my muscles to absolute failure with uh, one or two sets, and then um, do the other workouts where uh, you're not uh, risking muscle soreness, you're leaving a little bit in the tank. So people, there you have it. From Sheldon, extremely insightful and challenging question. And this is kind of a sneak preview of my podcast with Dr. McGuff, because in Body by Science, he's arguing that you make this clear and critical distinction between training to get stronger muscles and training for skill development in your chosen endeavor. And you don't want to cross those. You don't want to be trying to get stronger muscles uh, by performing your chosen endeavor over and over to the extreme that you get tired, fatigued, and sore. And so uh, Dr. McGuff made the important point that if you're training in your chosen endeavor and uh, fatigue comes into the picture, you are screwing up your central nervous system and teaching your body to perform with inefficient, uh, insufficient technique. So we don't want to train the golf swing when our muscles are tired. We don't want to uh, do sprints when our form is compromised due to fatigue. We want to always feel great when we're doing skill development, such as shooting three-pointers and having a rebounder uh, feed the ball back to you, and you're going to get a good 200 shots up, and then you're going to start getting tired, unfocused, and the workout will no longer be productive. So with skill development, we want to feel fresh, uh, explosive, focused, and have a great, great session that does not make us tired, that does not make us sore. Then on the flip side, or in tandem, because you're going to have plenty of opportunity to put both of these modalities into your overall training picture, we want to go into the gym. Dr. McGuff argues that once a week is plenty to do, he calls them the big five, it's five major full body compound movements, um, the pull down, the uh, the overhead press, the chest press, uh, the leg press, and one other one. Uh, anyway, you get the picture that you're doing these compound movements to total muscular failure once a week. And that is your strength development. You need not uh, push your bodies to complete muscular failure more so, more frequently than that. And if you do, you'll probably have uh, counterproductive. You'll probably not get as strong as you could by resting and recovering more. So boy, this really um, clarifies one's approach to fitness regardless of your goal. You're going to be working on skill development on one track, and then you're going to be going for pure strength on the other track, which of course will help you with your skill development. Look at the PGA Tour golfers uh, since the age of Tiger Woods. All these guys are now in the gym working on getting stronger so that then when they go do hit balls on the range, they can last longer and maintain good swing mechanics uh, and not fatigue as quickly as if they might have been in the old days where golfers just played golf and basketball shooters went to the gym and shot baskets and then went home. And boy, we've ushered in a new era of training. But again, a lot of athletes are screwing this up by doing workouts that are too fatiguing, uh, inducing muscle soreness, uh, compromising their form and technique, creating, leading to injuries. I'm raising my hand as one of them because I high jumped too frequently uh, over the uh, summer months where I was trying to perfect my technique and going out there again and again to the extent that I injured my muscles so I can't jump for a sustained period of time. That was not a big help, right? I'm missing all these workouts because I pushed myself too hard on a few of them. Now, if I had 
devoted more effort to uh, gaining pure strength, arguably, I would have been more resilient for the times that I was jumping frequently. And then if I had jumped less frequently, everything would come together beautifully where I'd be a strong athlete and have these wonderful, focused, explosive, productive workouts that didn't generate fatigue or muscle soreness. Yeah, how's that sound, people? Pretty much of a solution to a lot of the frustration out there relating to overtraining, uh, a breakdown, and uh, stagnation of uh, fitness and competitive progress. So just put it all together, uh, focus on getting stronger, doing the workouts appropriately, and then skill development when you feel sharp and energized and focused. And then when that focus wanes or your technique wanes, you end the workout and go home. And that sounds like a great place to wrap up. Thank you so much for listening. If you can take the time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, that would be a big help. Support our sponsors. Go to bradkearns.com. Check out our new website. It's super cool. It has an index of every show ever published, and you can search really quickly on a single page and find anything from the archives. We have so many great old shows. I hope you take a look at that and write in if you feel like it. We love to hear from you. We answer everything. We look at everything and always try to make the show better. And that would be podcast at bradventures.com. Thank you very much. I want to tell you about Inside Tracker, an awesome new ultra personalized nutrition and lifestyle program that combines data from your comprehensive blood panels, genetic test results, and lifestyle and fitness data from a Fitbit, for example, and organizes everything into one super cool online portal of your personal health. I am just getting going with this, and it's awesome. It has everything in one spot. For every blood result, you can click on a blog post or watch a video to learn more about these values. It's a great education in general health and self-quantification, and it was developed by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometric data from MIT, Tufts, and Harvard. The patented Inside Tracker algorithm calculates your so-called inner age, and it shows each biomarker as either optimized, needs to improve, or at risk. And then you can take precise corrective action with a science-backed plan to reach your performance goals. Oh, mercy, people. On my first round of testing, guess what my inner age was? 62! Shocker! Because I just turned 56. I'm sorry. You know what? When I delivered that blood test, I believe I was a little overtired, and several of my biomarkers were deemed to be subpar. So I made some changes as directed. I recovered better, rested, went back, and delivered way better numbers at the next blood test. The Inside Tracker motto is change is an inside job and that is for real you got to keep tabs on this stuff to be at your best and they have an amazing deal just for brad podcast listeners they are going to give away a grand prize of fifteen hundred dollars in inside tracker value so to enter all you have to do is go to insidetracker.com slash Brad Pod, B R A D P O D. Check it out right now at the link and enter the contest. Thank you for listening to the show. I love sharing the experience with you and greatly appreciate your support. Please email podcast at bradventures.com with feedback, suggestions, and questions for the Q&A shows. Subscribe to our email list at bradkearns.com for a weekly blast about the published episodes and a wonderful bi-monthly newsletter edition with informative articles and practical tips for all aspects of healthy living. You can also download several awesome free ebooks when you subscribe to the email list. And if you could go to the trouble to leave a five or five star review with Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to the shows, that would be super incredibly awesome. It helps raise the profile of the BRAD podcast and attract new listeners. And did you know that you can share a show with a friend or loved one by just hitting a few buttons in your player and firing off a text message? My awesome podcast player called Overcast allows you to actually record a soundbite excerpt from the episode you're listening to and fire it off with a quick text message. Thank you so much for spreading the word. And remember, be rad.